we often see a shift to more agile methodology in terms of working. So actually trying to prioritize your requirements, what's a must have, what's a nice to have in terms of the internet, what are some quick wins and actually can you get those off the ground instead of trying to develop the whole thing in one go. Thankfully, uh, we can look to the past uh, to nuggets of insight and knowledge to help answer that question. Hi, I'm Paul Miller and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. This is an Ask DWG. So, okay, Shim, what's, what's, what's Ask DWG all about? Ask DWG is the service that we provide our members in place of having an amazing bit of technology that is an expert in your pockets that does it for you. Um, it's basically our service to members. So if they have any question around the intranet or digital workplace, if they want case studies, if they want to, to have a curated list of our research and resources for their specific question, the knowledge team gathers those resources up for them, puts a bit of bespoke insight around it, looks to connect them with other members, and they get a packet of resources in their inbox. Um, so it's anything from questions about UX, strategy, governance. It might be something very specific such as which members are using a bit of technology. Um, it's been running since 2016 um, and has just picked up in popularity and usage since then. That sounds really useful. I mean, it's nice having, it's, it's nice having a, a kind of service where you can just ask any question. Are they all to do with kind of the digital workplace or do you get kind of people asking you about relationship advice and kind of you know, different recipes for meals that they haven't cooked or things like that? I'm basically DWG's <laughs> agony aunt. So, no, it's, uh, it is to do with the internet and the digital workplace. Um, that doesn't mean we don't have chit-chat or banter, as you want to call it, around that. But uh, yeah, it's focused around the digital workplace. Yeah. So let's just set the scene for people listening, kind of where we find ourselves. So... You know, kind of let's locate this because we're in the UK. It's yeah. the 6th of May. And kind of we've entered this sort of strange alternate reality, haven't we, really? We have. Uh, it's mm. all this dystopias that I read as a kid and a teenager rolled into one. Um, no, it's interesting because we, we last had a conversation around Ask DWG for this uh, two months ago in February. Uh, which feels like light years away. And we mm. had a nice conversation about is the intranet dead and, uh, social, ne and social networks uh, with no oh. mention of COVID. And we're obviously here today in a very different environment. Mm. So do those questions not matter anymore? Is the intranet dead and social networks? It's been interesting because once once it was declared a pandemic and hit our members and hit the globe, um, the global community, we actually tweaked the Ask DWG service to say we now do a live session every two weeks for an hour 
bring your COVID related questions and how they impact the digital workplace to us. And, you know, we had, and we're going to look at some of those today, we had questions related to that, but we've also had questions around, we're getting started on a social strategy. Can you help us with some thinking? So life, life has gone on while people have tried to get their heads around the new normal, whatever phraseology you want to use, those questions still remain. So I think they're still important and they're still being discussed. That's good. It's good because it's always important to kind of focus on things that predate, the, let's call it the crisis, and then mm. we'll, we'll post-date the crisis, you know, because it's part of a kind of process. Um, as well as trying to deal with things that are relative to the crisis. Anyway, so what what are the Ask DWG questions that you've been getting asked about lately that we that we should highlight? So I thought I'd focus on two, which were actually brought to us in our last uh, live session that we were doing every two weeks. Uh, and one is, I try to pick out one that's... Um, uh, kind of a big, big question, like, is the internet dead? And one is a bit more everyday focused. Uh, so the first one uh, was a question that came through to us. And I think it's one a lot of digital workplace teams are, are feeling at the moment is how can we be making progress on our new internet while our budget has been put on hold? Um and it's one, you know, we've seen how, you know, we've spoken about this, how the digital workplace is actually becoming the essential workplace in the face of remote working and distributed working and working from home during the pandemic. Um, and the value of digital workplace teams is is there to be seen, but it doesn't mean that there's infinite amounts of money to support that. So budgets are being put on hold. Um, and so that was one that came through to us a couple of weeks mm. ago. They were just on the cusp of implementing a new uh, new intranet and have been told to put it on hold. So I think what's lucky for us and for them is while there's so much about the current situation that feels kind of almost unbearably unfathomable and new and scary, the question of budgets being put on hold for digital workplaces isn't new. We've mm. seen it before in the recession. There are people in the third sector in the charity sector in the public sector that have been dealing with that question for years so thankfully uh we can look to the past to, to nuggets of insight and knowledge to help answer that question and, and, and isn't it a kind of odd thing to do at a point when the digital workplace is becoming for an awful lot of people in work the essential workplace and as governments are basically saying you can come back to work but if you can keep on working remotely please do so or even you must do so why on earth would people put kind of investment in this area on pause so i think it's almost a matter of prioritization and what's essential and what isn't essential so we've seen organizations for example ramp up rollouts for teams for collaboration tools for video casting, for broadcasting, all the things that support communication, support collaboration. When it comes to new, a new intranet, which is what this question was, they had something in place. They were just about to start on something new. And I guess while we're in the midst of something being so unknown, it's where you focus your efforts. So if they have something that's 
kind of just working for now and they're focusing on collaboration and communication tools it may well be that the decision was made to put a pause on the intranet just until things are a bit calmer and focus their efforts elsewhere and um, that doesn't mean it should be done because we often talk about the intranet as the gateway to the digital workplace but i i can imagine that's what's driving some of the decision making yeah and it's not really that the digital workplace is being paused because as you say you can be excellent you know if you're uh, accelerating as so many organizations that we've seen have been around teams or you know rolling out workplace by facebook um or or you know it's actually aspects of the the digital workplace are being pushed forward but actually are you know sort of solid adequate internet might not be right at the top of the list of priorities and it makes me wonder whether in these this acceleration of digital workplace tools um whether we're actually seeing the internet getting maybe a little bit sidelined for the moment it's interesting because one of the questions another question that came through a couple of about a month ago i think was how are people using their channels to support communicating with employees and what came out in that discussion because we had quite a few members on the line was the internet is has proven an essential source of official truth within this time because there's so much going on on slack channels on various social networks with people having conversations and asking questions that the companies and organizations need that one place where they can say this is the official information that we can give you about the situation and that often lives on the internet um, and is also an official news channel as well so i think in terms of trust in terms of having somewhere you know that you can go where you're getting the latest information it has been playing an essential role Mm. yeah no that's and that's a good way of putting it um so and and it's been it's been kind of um you know there are there have been pauses put on intranets but there's also been you know i've certainly heard about quite a lot of accelerations of intranets as well um so it's kind of uh, so what's your advice to people who are pausing it and and you know kind of based as you say that the issue of budget's been around for forever yeah so when i was um because i was doing the research around this to make sure it was based on good practice and what others have been doing in the past as well and a couple of themes came out so the first was focus on your team and their skills so actually are there things that you can upskill your team in whether it's the technology ux other areas that mean you're not relying on other people or outsourcing and actually you can start to do them in-house yourself as part of your the resourcing you already have. So looking to upskill your teams and you can do, you know, you can do a skills audit around that, map where there are gaps and support people to, to develop their own skills, which is a, a useful future-proofing activity as well. Um, we often see a shift to more agile methodology in terms of working so actually trying to prioritize your requirements what's a must have what's a nice to have in terms of the internet what are some quick wins and actually can you get those off the ground instead of trying to develop the whole thing in one go um that's been quite successful especially for charities that have limited budgets 
Um, and just focusing on the things within your control, you know, the things like governance sometimes, things like reviewing what content already exists and trying to, to clean that up, things like information architecture, the, the nice health hygiene elements of an intranet are often within your control and don't require too much budget to tweak. And then there was a great example, quite a few examples where teams had buddied up to and become closer to stakeholders around the organization who still had budget. And actually, by understanding what their pain points were, could piggyback on that budget to make incremental improvements by making the case of how the intranet helped them solve their problems. Um, so if you've not got your own budget, you actually might be able to embed yourself in the business more and take advantage of those that still do. So there were just a few of them that came through. Mm. Yeah, and, that, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because one of the things that we've seen through through COVID-19 has been the these accelerated decision-making, um, cross-functional working. It's almost like organisations are working better than they did before the virus arrived. That's what strikes me, is that, you know, you've got leadership taking decisions much more quickly. You've got people on the front line taking decisions and you and, and almost disintermediating a lot of the, the kind of bureaucracy that you get in the middle. Um, and I think you've, we've seen a lot more um, cross-functional decision-making as well. So I, I, I think one of the things that, that I've seen is, is is almost like more efficiency um uh, you know and and that's kind of interesting but I, what i like about what you're saying is that if you look at trying to work with a, alongside other stakeholders maybe sort of leverage their own budgets for your own kind of objectives that's really interesting the idea of hygiene tidying things up cleaning up the content cleaning up the taxonomy it's almost like sort of you know if you can't move home sort of it's not quite redecorate but but kind of improve things so yeah there's some of the things that we've seen work in the past that i think if your budget for actual technological development is is limited um, you can do it yourself um so what's 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 the what out what else is what's what's the second ask dwg question that people have been asking you as the digital workplace Uh, The second one's really easy to answer, like you can do it in a line. Uh, It was, what is the largest long-term shift that you expect to occur from the pandemic within the context of work? (laughs) God, people people really don't care what they ask you. No, they'll just, anything, you know. (laughs) What was it? Just run that one past me again. What was the- What is the largest long-term shift that you expect to occur from the pandemic? Uh, within the context of work is what I've added at the end, just to try and limit it yeah. at least and ring fence it. Okay. Right. Um, okay. Which feels like a big question, but I think it reflects a shift that I think we've been, I know you've been seeing and I've been seeing amongst members and others, which is if the first phase was about how can we just rapidly get everybody working remotely and, and as effectively as possible, just to make sure that we don't fall over backwards uh, eyes are beginning to turn to the future to ask what's next. Um, so I, it, I think it reflects that shift um, as we start to see conversation also turn to the easing of lockdown, for example. Mm. 
So what's what's the simple one line answer? <laughs> is, is there one? Um, I don't have a magic ball. Um, so I was trying to think through this because I know that it's something you've put a lot of thought into. It's something that you know we were writing about in our remote working 2020 research report as well. Um, and trying to just put a framework around it almost to have some kind of sensible answer. Um, and a, a framework that our colleague El Vargas shared with me earlier this week actually felt very useful. And it was almost if this, then that planning to build a story. So if we try to think through, you know, the next 18 months, at least, we know, what do we know for the next 18 months? Well, probably there'll be some element of physical distancing in place. There's uncertainty around a vaccine, potentially repeated lockdowns to help manage spikes. There's an economic impact, all those things. So what does that mean? Well, there's going to be an impact on the ability to travel, you know, difficulty of congregating in physical spaces, potentially a need to revert back to mass remote working, kind of at the drop of a hat limited funding and also I think just emotional and psychological impact on people as they're dealing with grief, anxiety, illness potentially and all those things. So what does that then mean for long-term impact and shifts? Um, And one of the things in the framework was, okay, what's probable? What's likely to happen? What's plausible? So what could happen? And then what's possible? What might happen? So off the back of that, I reckon, and this is, again, things we've spoken about, we'll probably see, you know, an increased focus on empathetic leadership, cultures, organizations, well-being. I think we're already seeing that happen, and hopefully that's not something that will go away. Um, A greater focus on the resilience and health of organizations and all the kind of initiatives that support that, whether it's digital literacy, having the right tools in place, flexibility. And, again, that's something we're seeing and will hopefully remain there in the long term. But then we've spoken about things like the impact on the physical office. And are we still going to have these huge centralized offices in the middle of cities? Barclays have already said they think the skyscraper is dead, for example. So actually, is a long-term shift going to be away from city centers as a physical hub for work? And are we going to see more localized hubs and pods pop up where people don't need to be traveling and commuting for hours but actually can stay within their local communities and work physically from there while accessing digital workplaces and digital tools. And an idea that I know you've had is the digital headquarters as well. Um, And then beyond that is thinking bigger. Do we start to see organizations restructuring themselves to be more agile, to be more nimble, to think of themselves as that living system that they already are? Are we going to see an impact on increased automation and AI potentially to decrease rely- to decrease that reliance on human presence? That's something that's been spoken about a lot, but has kind of hasn't realized itself yet. Are we going to see a, a speeding towards that as a as an answer? And also the idea of private public partnerships. There are going to be a lot of people out there, are a lot of people at the moment not working. Is that going to have a, a bigger long-term impact? And actually, is there an opportunity just to see who people are working for career change-wise, partnership-wise, to try and start to actually really collaborate on some of the problems facing society and some of those wicked problems? We've seen some of those partnerships mm-hmm. emerge in the current period. And actually, longer term, is that a model that we can really harness in terms of impact on work um so that could be a really interesting long-term shift 
Yeah, and it, it sort of shows just from the kind of breadth and and kind of range of your answer to that question, um, how much the digital workplace has seeped into work itself. And by definition, work itself is a huge part of the way that we live. And, and therefore, the sort of ripple effects um, of this health um, security uh, challenge um, kind of spreads out into so many different areas. You know, in a way, you're saying one of the potential long-term effects is you could find that people live in different places. Mm-hmm. I mean, we might find that, that the kind of period of peak urbanization, which which has been, you know, all the forecasts have been that is that we will continue to urbanize more and more. Maybe that's no longer true for the next few decades, that actually we're going to um, choose to live in, if you like, and, and, and create, kind of create communities in different places um, because we're now in a situation, and I think the Barclays example, um, and there's another one from kind of Mondelez and other CEOs have essentially started talking about the almost like how impossible it is for people to come into these large, highly dense buildings. Uh, I mean, and I, I was listening to something which kind of I thought was, I don't know, the, the analogy that came to me was like, it, it sounded like you're moving around the, the deck chairs on the Titanic. And it was, you know, uh, one of the kind of large providers of real estate, you know, with a kind of vested interest in large amounts of real estate, saying, well, you know, we're going to kind of, there's going to be more cleaning and we're going to have different desks and we're going to have perspex screens, but you can't go into the cafeteria. Mm. And by the way, you can't really meet there. And and I was, you know, I was uh, talking to a, a large US retailer and they were all laughing about it. <laughs> And not in a kind of contemptuous way, but they were sort of saying, so we're expecting thousands of people to come to the office and there's, let's say, a bank of 12 elevators, lifts, and you can have two people in each lift and there's 30 floors. Um, It's kind of like the building no longer makes sense at any level at all, certainly in the pre-vaccine period and, and, and who knows whatever. So I think there's... I don't think the uh, I think the the impact on centralized real estate is huge. Mm. Um, I, I would say the other aspect of this is that um, essentially the, the work has already moved pre COVID nineteen in terms of central gravity to the digital world. So work has become a virtualized experience mostly but you have to be somewhere physically um uh, so i think that process of more virtual and less physical will will carry on but i like what you're saying about this idea i think one of the um implications of what's happening will be a kind of larger accent on health as an organizational capability so in organizations we talk about financial health but i think we're we're going to be looking at cultural health we're going to be looking at employee health and well-being you talked about grief stress um you know isolation and all of those things but 
you know, if you look, really look at the organization as a total experience and service, you know, for instance, if you're a very siloed organization, you don't have these public-private partnerships, you haven't really been um, showing a lot of kind of social agenda during COVID-19, then you'd probably say that the, the, the that's a kind of health weakness, I would say, for an organization because it's socially its social health is quite weak. Um, so I, th- I, I think, strangely enough, nobody intended work to get sort of unstitched in this way. Um, it's a real challenge, isn't it, for leaders to try and make the right decisions without sort of boxing themselves in. It's easy for <laughs> me to say, well, just get rid of your 7,000-person you know, office building in Canary Wharf. But, you know, once you do it, it it's sort of gone and maybe you'll decide you did the wrong thing. And then three three years later, we're back to where we were in um, late 2019. It is. And I think always it's also just not as simple as, well, we'll get rid of it because then what replaces it? Um, people exist in physical space. If they're not in that office, they're somewhere. And so what is that experience like for them? So, you know, we've been having conversations with organizations interested in having seen the benefits of remote working, for example, interested in extending that um, into the future. Uh, But working from home isn't isn't the answer for the space that doesn't replace the office for everybody. So... What does that mean? Mm. Um, And, you know, we've had conversations in the past around what impact does mobile working or remote working or distributed working have on the high streets, on cities, on urban centers where that space is being is no longer being used. And actually, is there an opportunity to repurpose some of that space, even if it is Mm. temporarily uh, while we work out what what comes next? So as you know. Is that used for social ventures? Is that used for other other reasons? So I think it's not it's not a question that can be answered just by any one sector. I think it re- it's going to require linked up thinking and collaboration across industries uh, to make sure that it's all the various trick, trickle effects and impacts are, are taken into consideration. Yeah, and I, I mean, what's coming into my mind is you could take somewhere like Manhattan or central Paris and or, or areas where lots of people have, have gathered in high density and you could actually um, sort of distribute that into lots of other places in France or Britain or the US and so on. And you could get like mini versions of central Paris and central Manhattan but in, in areas that we really do want to regenerate because we've been wondering what happens to the high street when retailing is gone. What about all of these, uh, you know, shopping malls that have kind of, you know, nobody's quite sure what to do with them. And, and actually you then start to imagine, and I think it would need government involvement and city involvement as well as, you know, organizational kind of collaboration, but you could actually, almost like redistribute that economic uh, impact uh, while giving people alternates to working from home. Because, mm. the, the, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we've all been forced to work from home, but I don't think anybody would choose to work 
<laughs> of course, there will be some, but most people wouldn't choose to work like that all no. the time. You you want to have choices and options, exactly. don't you? Exactly. And I think that's it. Even, you know, for DWG, a lot of us do work from home, but I don't work, I don't normally work from home every day. I have choice. Um, where do you usually work? Oh, the cafe and the local park is a favorite. They do excellent, have excellent food. I hope, I hope they survive because <laughs> they're, they're excellent. <laughs> but whatever habitat fits the work that I'm doing, it varies day to day. But, um, yeah, so I think choice, choice around where you physically go to do work, if you are someone that has that option, is something that will have to be thought through. Um, and also, you know, not everyone has that as a, a way of working. You've got people in retail, people in warehouses. And I think if they don't have a choice about where they're going, at least that's where the empathy needs to start to come in and that empathetic culture and leadership to really understand what their experience is and supporting that yeah it's been interesting isn't it even in places where you think well people have got to be physically there to do the work you take like a hospital mm. i think you know one of the things that's been discovered is that actually not everybody who works in that hospital needs to work in that hospital mm. obviously you know the frontline healthcare workers do but you know if you're in you know administrative functions financial functions procurement functions you you can you don't have to be there. And actually, you can reduce the amount of people who do need to be there. Um, so just before we end, Shim, what, so which, which bit of what I'd call your, uh, you know, that your kind of pro pre-COVID-19 ways of working do you most miss? <laughs> the cafe, the cafe with its excellent Middle Eastern food. Um, it's a good question. Mm. Um, what could that could be? That, that might be it. I think it's, is it mm. that? No, it's it's actually physically co-working with uh, friends and family. So my mm. sister-in-law and I, she she often worked from home, even though she works for a a large um, tax consultancy firm. But she'd often work from home, and we'd co-work together. I'd often do it with a friend of mine as well. So even though it has been lovely working from home, co-working from home with my partner. Um, I think having that physical interaction with friends and my sister-in-law is something I miss. Um, how about you? Yeah, I really miss Pret-a-Manger <laughs> um, a lot. Um, I also, I kind of, I miss not being able to meet up with any of my colleagues, including you, um, at all. And, you know, I like our team days that we have mm. once a month over at Wallace Space, plug for Wallace Space. Um, and, you know, it's just the kind of it's it's not a lot, but a little bit of that would go an awful long way. It's almost like just a little bit of that, you know, ability to just kind of connect physically with people. Yeah. Um, yeah so that'd be it. Well, great. Sure, I think we've. I think I was going to say I had, I had a question for you actually off the back of that. Uh, what new thing, or what thing that we are doing that is different and new as a result of the pandemic, do you enjoy mm. and would like to keep? I would like to keep the ability to almost never fly. I'd. I, if you said to me. 
you could never fly for work again. I take it right now. <laughs> Fair. And, 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 and there are some aspects of work trips that involve flying that I've really, really enjoyed, but I would take mm. it. I would take it because of the benefit um, environmentally. And also I just feel like, you know, you've got to pack your bags, you've got to get to the airport, you've got to check in at the airport, you've got to, you know, it's just such a hassle mm. all to do. And I, I just kind of think, which of those trips are really, really, really essential? So that would be the that would be the thing that I'd most like to keep. And that's something we didn't talk um, about actually is the environmental impact. But that can be another conversation another day. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank thank you, Shim. Keep 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 being the agony ant for the digital workplace community. I will. Thank you for having me, Paul. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash DWG underscore score podcast. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.